Let's just pray for the children and the youth as they go on. Let's just ask God to move on that work out there. There you go. Is that better? You can hear me now. Yes, there you go. I'm coming through. Yeah, let's just pray for the children as they've gone out to their classes. Um, and just pray not only God's blessing, but also the presence of his Holy Spirit, because we really want our youngsters, we want our youth, we want them to grow, we want them to explore what it is to be in Christ, and we also want them to grow to be the next generation leading this church. Um, the next generation on fire for God. We want them to actually lead us. I want our young people to be leading me into the presence of God uh, in a year or two's time down the road. And I just think we should pray and we should pray with faith for the work that goes on in those rooms. We're not just emptying this room of noisy little kids that get in the way and take our mind off of what we're doing. We're sending them out there for God to actually work in their lives just as he has in ours. So, Father God, we pray for the, the, the youth amongst, the, the work amongst our youth and our children, no matter how small, how young they are. Lord, we know that they can meet with you. You love the children, Lord. They can meet with you. They can have an experience of you in their lives, Lord. I know my sister at three years old had an experience of you in her life. She loved you. And she knew you as a friend. And I pray that, Lord, for our young people, for our children, and for our youth. And I pray that your spirit will work in them and your spirit will be in their leaders. And Lord, inspire our, our, our team leaders, Lord. Fill them by your Holy Spirit and inspire them with your word, Lord, so that they impart, they share, they teach, they encourage. And Lord, Give them the blessing of seeing your hand at work amongst our, our children. So, Lord, we lift them to you and ask that you'll be with them this morning and that, Lord, you will be with us as well as we come around your word. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Right. Gladys Elwood was born in 1902, one of three children in a working-class family from Edmonton, North London. From her early teens, she worked as a housemaid. After God challenged her to go overseas as a missionary, she was accepted by the China Inland Mission to study on a three-month course for aspiring missionaries. But because of her lack of academic progress and difficulty learning the Chinese language, she was not offered further training. In October 1930, Gladys spent all her life savings on a train passage to, Yong, uh, to Yongcheng, Shanghai province, China. The dangerous trip took her across, the, the Siber took her across Siberia and the, on the Trans-Siberian Railway, and after narrowly evading detention by the Russian authorities, escaping in a Japanese ship, and traveling across Japan, she finally arrived in China. Gladys became a national of the Republic of China, and in 1936, she shared the love of God and preached the gospel, taking in orphans and adopting several herself. In 1938, the region was invaded by Japanese forces, and Gladys led more than 100 orphans to safety over the mountains. 
Despite being wounded and sick, she personally cared for them and saw many of them become Christians. She didn't return to Britain until 1949 and only then because her life in China was in great danger from the communists. But in 1958, Gladys finally went back to China and settled in Taiwan. There, she founded the Gladys Awood Orphanage and she worked there until her death in 1970. Jackie Pullinger. Jackie Pullinger was born in 1944 and at the age of 22 wanted to become a missionary. She wrote to various missionary organizations and received no support at all. And then she sought the advice from a guy called Richard Thompson, a minister. At first she wanted to go to Africa, but following a dream, she felt she should go to Hong Kong. She went to Hong Kong by moat in 1966. Arriving in Hong Kong, she knew no one and only had $10 on her. She found work as a primary school teacher in the Kowloon Walled City, one of the world's largest opium-producing uh, uh, countries, centers, run by the triad gangs. She established a youth center, she helped drug addicts, and she worked with those who were sleeping rough on the streets. And she's still doing that work to this day. She's still doing that work to this day. Stanley Charles Evans, it's my dad. Stanley closed his optical manufacturing business and his practice and packed up all his equipment and possessions, his wife and a three-year-old son, and went to Nigeria in 1963, all because he felt God's call to set up a college of optometry and to share the gospel. He too could not find a missionary organization to support him, so he trusted God and just got on with it. 25 years later, he returned to the UK and continued to see patients and take every opportunity to share the gospel and pray with them. And I can still see him now to this day. He would test somebody's eyes, he'd talk to them about what he'd done, and then he'd say, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. And he did that with every patient that came in the clinic. And by the time he was, a, he was an old man, by the time I left him, he was, he was heading into his late 70s. And of course, everybody just loved him. He was an old man, and so they would just let him talk to them about the Lord, and it was just amazing. He would, he would have these amazing conversations. But the thing about these, each of these were just ordinary people. They were ordinary people, but they were touched by an extraordinary God. Just ordinary people. If you spoke to any of them, and I know if you spoke to my father, even though he took us out to Africa, he took me and my mum out there on a, what he thought was a five-year contract. Within three years, he lost virtually everything. All the stuff that he'd taken out, he kept about one. He managed to rescue about one-tenth of it. It was all stolen from him. And yet... Even towards the end of his life, he was saying, this is what God had planned for us. 25 years later, he came back to the UK. Gladys Aylward, she failed her missionary training. She was deemed lacking in academic ability. She struggled with the language. She was lonely. She, 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 she really she struggled with what God was doing with her. But her heart was for God. Jackie Pullinger Rejected by the missionary organizations. She faced all sorts of stuff. She's written that book, um, uh, Chasing, not Chasing the Dragon, yes, Chasing the Dragon. 
and um, which gives her story. And you see all the things that she went through, how God protected her. All sorts of stuff were there. Even my dad. They just wanted to serve God and respond to his call. This morning, we're continuing our series in the Sermon on the Mount. And our topic for this morning is the motives of the heart. And we're, we're looking at Matthew 6, 1 to 8. Let's just read that together before we move on. Matthew 6, 1 to 8. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all that the world that they will ever get. But when you go to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly in street, on street corners and in the synagogues, where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Heavenly Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. This passage is again, we've been looking through this Sermon on the Mount. We've been thinking about the, the, the things that the Lord has been saying and we've been through chapter 5 and we're, we're starting our way through chapter 6 but it's still the same old thing. It's still the same message that Jesus is saying. It is still about what it means to live in the kingdom of God and it's still talking about what's going on in the heart. It's talking about not just what you do but it's talking about your character why you do it, what's driving you, what's in there, what's colouring what you're doing. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. We should do because of who we are, not because of what other people might be thinking about us, not even because we're trying to impress God. God isn't after that. He's after us doing it because we love him. And because he's touched our hearts. Look at Matthew 6, 1. Look at that first part. Don't let your deeds be seen by others. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. You know, there are so many people that do good stuff. I don't know if you've heard of Ted Turner. Uh, some time back, back in the 90s, back 90, 1997, Ted Turner, who's a billionaire, made a big fanfare and talked a lot about how he was going to donate a billion, not a million, but a billion pounds to the UN for their good causes. And the CNN ran a, ran a piece on it, and it said, CNN founder and Time Warner vice chairman Ted Turner announced uh, on Thursday night that he was, will be donating one billion over the next decade to United Nations programs. 
Turner made the announcement at a dinner held in New York by the United Nations to honour him for his contributions to the international community. Turns out Ted Turner made quite a big thing about publicising this everywhere, making sure that all the news organisations had it, doing interviews, talking about what he was doing. And so often, good deeds come up and are done, but they're done with those wrong reasons. He wanted people to know what he was doing. He was, who knows why? Maybe it's because it made him feel good. I'm not saying what he did wasn't, wasn't, didn't help a lot of people. It did. But it was done for the wrong reasons. The thing is, though, that we need to have a balance in, in, in what we're doing. Look at Matthew 5.16. It says there, in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see. This is the same sermon that Jesus is preaching. This is just a bit earlier. This is in chapter 5. And in that same sermon, Jesus is saying, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, the message here is not just don't do good deeds publicly. It is, don't do good deeds publicly to be admired by others. It's back to the heart again. It's back to what goes on here. It's not about rules. And some of the danger is that we can be driven, even ourselves we can be driven. There's that other line in that, in that passage that says, you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. You know, that can, sometimes that can be the driver why we're trying to be careful. But even that misses the point of what Jesus is saying. He's talking about us being in the kingdom of God, being kingdom people, having kingdom character. And that is about what's going on in here. Because what goes on in here colours everything we do. What goes on in here drives everything we do. What goes on in here actually shapes how we do what we do. The next thing to note is that it says, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly. Your good deeds, a better translation, and in other translations it says, it says, practicing your righteousness, or it says, doing your charitable deeds. Now, practicing your righteousness or righteousness is, is a better term to use there. Thing is, it's been, it's become synonymous with giving tithing and giving and all the rest of it. But it means far more than that. In actual fact, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. And in, his, in, in talking to them, they knew there were certain practices that they needed to do as Pharisees, as Jews, to be good Jews. Part of that was giving, but there were other things. There were other things that they needed to do, and they needed to do them regularly. And what Jesus was, was speaking into that. So what does that really... What does that really mean for me? What is this righteousness thing? How do we apply that to ourselves? Matthew 6, 2 and 6, 5 say, When you give to someone in, in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, you'll see. And then again in, five, uh, in 6, 5 it says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites, literally, literal meaning of the word means actors. So don't act it out. Don't just do it because it looks right or it's, it impresses. Don't try to be holy. And what I felt God saying, putting in my heart was, don't try to be holy with me, be real. 
Be real. What do I mean by that? Be holy because I am in your heart. Look at this scripture here. This scripture says, uh, 1 Peter 1 16, uh, 1.16 says, Be holy because I am holy. Our holiness shouldn't flow because we're practicing it or because we're trying to do it or because it's the right thing to do or it's the Christian thing to do or it's the holy thing to do or it's, you know, whatever. It's because it's pouring out from something that God has done in our heart. Our holiness should flow out from our character and our character comes from our heart and our heart should be pressed into God and focused on him. It is because God is in us by his Holy Spirit. God is in us. That is amazing. The moment you or I gave our lives to Christ, the moment we asked the Lord into our lives, the moment we prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit came into our lives. We have God in us. And as I said before, I'll say it again, not a bit of God, not some of God, not the bit of God that can fit in me and reduce down so it will fit in me. No, the Holy Spirit is fully, utterly, totally and absolutely God. God is three in one. Not three bits all put together, but each Holy Spirit, Father and Son are all fully and absolutely and utterly God. And we have God in us. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in your lives and my lives. Do holy things because of who holds your heart. Do holy things because of what is in there. You're giving. For me, for us, these holy things, these righteous things, these things of the kingdom of God that shape our lives, the things that we do like worship and prayer and, and, and giving and, and, and serving one another and, and all these things, all of them, all of them flow out from this. All of them are not done because they look right, but because they flow from a heart that is held by God, a heart that is inspired by him. Jesus is saying, it's all about me. It's about your heart, and it's about you being right with me. But here's a thing that struck me as I was thinking about this. It means that any one of us can do this. Because it's not about you and me. It's about God in us. It's about the Holy Spirit praying, worshipping, serving, ministering, praying with one another. All these things are for you and me to do. Let me step down from here and stop being, you know, the, 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 one of the elders in the church. It's about us as family, recognizing that by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life, by the presence of God in me and in you, you too can pray for people and see them healed. You too can encourage people. You too can have a ministry. You too can see the power of God working. And that is what church should be. This is what church should be. Church should be the, the, the ministry of the body. Not one man who has it all. Not two or three people who have the anointing. I'm not saying there isn't anointing. 
Don't read, don't, don't read things into what I'm saying that are not there. I'm not saying there isn't anointing. There is anointing and God does choose certain people to do certain things most of the time. But every single one of us has the power of the Holy Spirit living in our lives if we've asked Christ in. That means every single one of you can pray for somebody and see them healed. Every single one of you can, can see, lead somebody to Christ and pray the prayer with them. Without exception in this room, if you've given your life to Christ. That, I believe, is what God is saying to us. That is why this, this Sermon on the Mount, that's what it's about. It's about catching that in our hearts. That we can see these things. We can step out. We can pray and worship and encourage and minister. And we just need to do it sometimes when we get the opportunity. All God wants us to do is to allow to pour out of us what he is pouring into us. That prayer that Sharon prayed, I think it was the prayer about our hearts being soft, about the Holy Spirit pouring his water in and softening our hearts, that's so important. I had pictures of that, that sermon I preached ages ago on, on the parables and about the parable of the, of the sower and, and the fact that our hearts are like the field and we need, to, we need to make sure our hearts are plowed, they're ready. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts so that the seed of his word that we hear roots. We've got these little sunflowers on the kitchen windowsill. Do you know what amazes me is that I come down one night, they're sort of at the top of the stick, and then I come down the next morning and they've gone, pop, and they're right up here. And they've got extra leaves that have popped out. They grow. Why? Because the stuff that we put them into was good stuff. Even though there was a period of time we thought, no, they'd all died. Nothing, nothing was coming up, but we were waiting and waiting and waiting. That's what God wants our hearts to be ready to receive. You see, this message is about our heart. Why don't I start with Aylwood Pullinger and my father? I wondered how long it would be before somebody was sitting there wondering, why did he do that at the beginning and then go off on something else? I did it for a very, very real reason, because I believe this message is about all of us. They weren't special people. They weren't super spiritual. I knew my dad personally. I love him and I respect him and there's a lot about me that is because of him, both good and bad. But that sense of faith, that sense of God has said it, so I've got to do it. I'm packing you all up. I'm selling everything. We're going. Lots of people said he was an idiot. Lots of people said he was rushing. Gladys, uh, um, Jackie Pullinger, people called her foolish. I said, no, that's silly. It's about all of us doing it. We don't have to be special. We just have to love the Lord. The reason I use that at the beginning is because I believe this message is not just about how we pray and how we give. It's about being ready for God to use us. It's about having a heart that says, I want you to use me, Lord. The challenge, I believe, is where is our heart? What is filling our heart? Are we open to him? Are we willing and ready to sacrifice? Are we ready to give up everything for him? Hey, this is the real punchline 
on this. Are we truly willing to sacrifice and lay things down for him? Because that's what those three did. They basically laid everything down and said, I feel God has spoken to me. I'm going to go and get on with it. You see, they did it. They got on with it. If we're kingdom citizens, then it will cost us everything. Look at uh, Matthew 16, 24 and 25. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. See, that's why I started with them. Because they laid their lives down. I was reading about that missionary group, those three men who went to the Indians in the middle of um, wherever it was, if I think it was in, in the Amazon somewhere, and uh, they were missionaries and they went to minister to them and they all got killed. And lots of people said, well, they were silly. They shouldn't have gone there. There was disturbance. They would, of course, that would happen. That particular group of people that they went to see, it was more likely that they were going to get killed. And I, I listened to the daughter of, of Jim, I think, was the, the, the lead guy. I listened to his daughter speaking the other day. And she said, yes, they did know it was dangerous, but they felt God had called them. And they went anyway. Do you know what? As a result of them going, as a result of them dying, that whole village got saved. One of the guys who actually put the spear into Jim adopted Jim's son as his own son. He has been going around America and he's preached with Jim and spoken with Jim. His life changed. God came in and changed his life. Was Jim some super spiritual person? No. What was coming out that he was just a bloke who felt that God had called him and he stepped out and he laid down his life. I'm not saying that we are all going to be called to go to other countries. Maybe, who knows? We just don't know. The likelihood is no. The likelihood is that God is going to challenge you here and now. God is going to challenge you in Harlow. God is going to challenge you in your jobs and your work. He's going to challenge you where you are and he's going to challenge you to lay your life down now. What does that mean? It means you're ready to give him control. You're ready. God is after our heart. He wants people who are touched by an extraordinary God. Ordinary people, you and me, touched by an extraordinary God. Let me say it again. Anyone in this room could have a similar testimony. Uh, even you youth, who knows what God has planned for you? I believe there's a real anointing on some of you already. can see God use you. I think it's amazing when you guys do youth club and you lead youth club, you lead groups. That is brilliant. That is amazing. Anyone in this room could see God do amazing things. All we have to do is be ready to go. All we have to do is be ready to go. Mark 12.30 says this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
And then it goes on in Luke 14, 26 and says, if you want to be my disciples, you must be my, by comparison, hate everything else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. But that's impossible, I hear you say. How can I do that? I can't do that. I'm not strong enough to do that. How can I love God that much? I think the answer is found in John 15, 4. It says this, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. The simple, the simple fact is all we have to do is remain. All we have to do is remain in God. Okay, what does that mean? How do I remain in God? What does that mean? How do I even know that I've got the strength to remain in God? Let me show you another scripture. It says here in 1 John 14, 13, By this we know that we abide in him, or remain in him, and he in us, because because he has given us his Holy Spirit. And it all comes back to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. This isn't about us being hypocrites, playing at being spiritual, trying to do all the right things. This is about us throwing ourselves on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and recognizing that the Holy Spirit is in our lives because we've given our lives to him and giving him the permission to touch us, move us, challenge us. Am I saying we've all got to rush off and start getting all, all uptight and upset and struggling? And No, we just wait patiently on the Lord. The Lord will show us where he wants us. He will move us. That's t- Sharon, my testimony over the years. Harlow is now, we have been in Harlow longer than we've been anywhere else. Nine years? Ten years? Something like that. Might be a little bit more than that even. We were about two to three years for, for a while when God was just moving us around. But when the time comes to move, you know. When God moves you, you will know. If you press into God, you will know. It's about trusting the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, in his grace, has given us all that we need. Let's let's wrap this up. What is the response that I want? On this, so what is the challenge I'm feeling for this? Romans 11:36, which is the last verse in chapter 11 and the first verse in chapter 12, it says this: "For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever, Amen." And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Our ministry, our calling, who we are, what we do, that laying it all down, loving God more than anything else, more than mum and dad, more than my, my wife, more than my grandkids, more than myself, all of that, is founded and rooted in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and is rooted in who we were created. We were created to worship God. I just want to leave you with this challenge and I'm going to call the worship team back up in a minute because I want to give us an opportunity to respond to God this morning.
you want the worship team to come up. Let me just give you three questions that I want. I feel the Lord sort of put on my heart as a challenge. The first question is, do I have a desire for God to use me? I want you to ask yourself that question. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody else. But I want you to tell yourself. Do you, do I have a desire for God to use me? Or am I just comfortable with where I am? If you don't, don't get condemned by that. Just come back. Press into God. Seek him. Ask his Holy Spirit to touch you. Ask him to stir that desire in your heart. Second question, am I willing to submit to his will with all that that means? That God has the right to do anything, full stop, in your life and my life. And again, if you don't, if you can't answer yes to that, my challenge to you this morning is to ask him to stir that in your heart and for him to do that in you by his Holy Spirit. And lastly, do I believe that it could be me that does that, that has that call, that prays that prayer, that sees that person saved, that sees that healing because I prayed? Do I believe it could be me? And again, like that, I want you just to press into God and ask him, not to condemn you, Challenge you. Stir us. I'm going to give an opportunity. We're going to sing a song. Sharon's going to lead us in a song. And as we sing, I'm going to challenge you to stand up. And we're going to do something really radical in this church. I want you to come forward. Now, this is not about me having the answers and praying the prayers and, and me doing something here. If you don't want to come, don't come. But this is actually about you making a prophetic act. You deciding in your heart you want to do something and then actually doing something about it rather than just thinking about it. And I want to invite you to come forward. And then we'll just pray. I'm not going to get lay hands on or anything. We're just going to... But what you've done is you've made that act. You've decided before God and you've made that act. If nobody comes forward, that's fine. We will pray. But I have spent years when I've had the opportunity to rededicate myself to God's work in my life, to come back to explicitly before him, submit my life to him and explicitly give him permission to do what he wants to do in my life. That's not always been easy, but I have done that more than once. And I just want to encourage you to do that this morning because I believe God wants to use us as a fellowship, he wants to use us. As individuals, he wants to use you and me. Because there's a world that's going to hell in a handcart, as they say out there at the moment. And they're not just wandering down a life, nice, leafy, wonderful little meandering road. They're racing to hell. They're doing everything they can to get themselves there in a hurry. And what God wants is for us to be there, to be ready to pour out what he's poured in to the hearts that are ready to allow the Holy Spirit to stir us. And if he does that, then we will see amazing things happen. Let's sing and then...
If you want to just recommit, if you just want to mark before God that you're ready for this, then come forward and then we will just pray together.